For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Recorded live. What the fuck is up, everybody? Welcome to Travis and Vic's Drunken Horror Adventures. We are back. Or actually, I'm back. I'm Travis. And I am entirely, entirely too drunk. But I will press on. Um, I'm all by myself for the time being, so we'll wait for uh, Vic to come on. God knows when he'll be here again. He has to uh, service... Um, members of the crackhead community behind the dumpster where he works. I mean, so it is what it is, and we we respect Vic for his um, entrepreneurship. Now, tonight, as promised, weeks ago, probably a year ago, we're finally, finally talking about Adam Green's Hatchet 2. And I preface that by saying Adam Green's Hatchet 2 for a reason, because... Adam Green, um, without the without Adam Green, this movie would have never been made, obviously. But I mean, this movie is Adam Green's baby, and it's a shame that it never got released to theaters. They tried to release it to theaters; it got you know pulled pretty quickly. Uh, I wanted to see it at AMC theaters in Newport. It would have been like an hour drive from, for me, but it would have been well worth it to see Hatchet too. After seeing um, the awesome hatchet and getting a blowjob while I was watching it. So, um, I have some good memories of the first hatchet. Um, the second hatchet, well, we'll, we'll, we'll find out what, um, you know, my opinion of it is as we go along here. Um, obviously, um, we're going to do our usual rundown here. Not a particularly long movie, so it should be pretty easy to do. Um, this movie came out in 2010. IMDb gives this bad boy a 5.4. I believe this movie came out three years after the original. So, you know, three-year hiatus. It seemed like it was almost immediate. Almost all the same cast of of people who actually survived the first one. And when I say survived the first one, we're talking about people who, you know, most of them didn't even go to the swamp and deal with Victor Crowley. But, you know, of course, you got Victor Crowley himself, Kane Hodder, um, you've got Tony Todd coming back as Reverend, uh, uh, what the hell, the voodoo guy. Why I can't think of his name right now is beyond me. Um, and then you got Tom Holland uh, making a little uh, appearance in this movie, uh, director or writer of Child's Play. You've got R.A. Milhoff, uh, Milhoff, however the hell you want to pronounce it, from Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 3. We've talked about him a lot in the past. Um, you've got you've got some people like um, I'm trying to think of some of the other people. Uh, the most obvious would be um, Danielle Harris replacing Tamara Feldman in uh, the main position here, and as the survivor girl, because Tamara Feldman didn't want to come back for whatever reason. They respected it, and of course they bring in 
Danielle Harris, the lovely Danielle Harris. She gets a lot of grief for this movie, and I think a lot, uh, a lot of it's well-founded and well-deserved, but uh, at the same time, you know, I think that uh, some of it is unwarranted. Let me just say, she still looks damn good in this movie. So three years after the original, we get the 2010 version of Hatchet 2. And uh, one step down immediately, I'll just say, is um, the opening intro in this one's fine, but it, it can't touch the new shit by Marilyn Manson. The, the um, Marilyn Manson uh, opening is way better. And, of course, we get Adam Green puking uh, in the background. So, you know, we get another Adam Green cameo in this one. And the first one, he is just happy as shit. And the second one, I believe it's him that's puking his guts out. So, Adam Green back to uh, direct the second one and back to cameo in the second one. So we get our little Alfred Hitchcock homage here. Um, Now, again, this movie gets a 5.4 on IMDb. For this type of slasher, that's pretty high. you got to wonder how many critics actually watch this. Um, This movie, (laughs) not exactly favorable to the MPAA. They uh, made sure that this shit got pulled from the theaters real fast. They wanted this to have an X rating. Didn't quite work out this way somehow or another. They got it out there, but um, didn't get out there, you know, in, in the way that we wanted it to be. Like I talked about earlier, I would have loved to have seen this, you know, uh, at the theaters. But it is what it is. Um, and it, excuse me for my is what it is, but you know that happens when I'm drunk. Now, this movie, much like let's say Halloween Two. This picks up right after the first one. So what you've got is you've got uh, Mary Beth now, of course, played by Danielle Harris, who's who's um, kind of like in a in a lockup with Victor Crowley, Kane Hodder, um, but she jams her fucking thumb into his eye, and it is nasty as shit. She gets away. She, uh, you know, she kind of swims away and. You know, what's going to come back next for Mary Beth? Well, we're about to find out. We now go to uh, a boat where Jack Cracker pulls her out of the water. Now, Jack Cracker, of course, is played by the great John Carl Beekler, uh, the man who directed Friday the 13th Part 7, and also the man who uh, drank his piss in the first Hatchet movie, which <laughs> is funny as shit because... Adam Green, or not Adam Green, but uh, that one guy, uh, the, the Asian guy says, oh, don't listen to him. He drinks his own piss. And then, well, lo and behold, he does. So anyway, Jack Cracker takes her out of the water. He he takes her back to his cabin, and um, she's kind of you know telling him what happened. And, and once he tells her that her name's Mary Beth Dunstan, he starts to freak out a little bit. He tells her to get the fuck out of there. And uh, she's like, but I need help, you know, because she, she, I guess she's going to you know, go back in there. Uh, she's still trying to figure out what happened to her dad because it's not like she ever saw his body. Uh, good old Robert England there. Um, but, you know, he says there's, you know, if she wants help, she needs to see Reverend Zombie, which, of course, is Tony Todd. So there's a Reverend Zombie. Anyway, uh, but, you know, she leaves at his uh, gunpoint uh, demand. And uh, <laughs> this shit's funny. Jack Cracker starts watching uh, Shapiro's camcorder. Now, if you rewind to the first one, you remember Shapiro was the scumbag who was, uh, you know, uh, the director 
uh, CEO, whatever you want to call it, of Bayou Beavers, although it really wasn't. And it's a bunch of fucking, it's a bunch of uh, film of like topless women, uh, including Misty and Jenna, who were, I think, a couple of the highlights of the first one, not just their tits. I'm talking about like, because they were just amusing. But, um, I mean, there was this chick that, I swear to God, she had to be like 16 years old, but apparently she wasn't. She had some fucking huge tits. Um, and, and there's just other things like him saying, let me see what you got up your skirt, or like, what's going on in your shirt? Mister, I'm 14, or I'm 12, or whatever the fuck she said. It was, it, it was disturbing. But Jack Cracker's like, oh, that ain't right. And he's like trying to fast forward through it. So pretty amusing stuff. Um, but, you know, he starts hearing some sounds, a uh, little bit of that Victor Crowley uh, that we got in the first one. And, um, well, not too long after that, we get our, I couldn't say the intro of Victor Crowley because he's already been seen once. Um, he he kind of pops up out of nowhere. And uh, we get a brutal fucking kill here. Uh, Victor Crowley grabs him by his intestines, pulls his intestines out, chokes him with his own intestines to the point where he, like, decapitates him. It's the most cartoony but violent shit I've ever seen in a movie. But, you know, i got to give props to the movie because, I mean, it was original. It was stupid, but it was awesome stupid. It was the type of stupid that was like, well, you know, somebody getting their jaw ripped wide open like in the first one. And when I say stupid, I mean that the best way possible. It's just, you know, unbelievable but also very cool. Meantime, we go back to Mary Beth, who has gotten herself a nice shower. I don't know if he got she got her shower first or if she got it after this, but we did get some nice Danielle Harris shower scenes. Nothing like uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween, but we did get something out of it at least. Get to see that tattoo this time around. And um, she returns to good old Reverend Zombie's shop there in New Orleans, and, uh, you know, she, she wants to talk to him, and he's like, come back in a month. And she's like, no, we need to talk now. So he finally lets her in. And... Um, Basically, here, here's the deal. You know, in the first one, Reverend Zombie told her to go down the street, uh, or told them, and we're talking about, uh, you know, uh, the other the other group there to uh, go talk to somebody down the street. But what we find out here is that Reverend Zombie had a small business going on with Sean, who was the Asian guy from the first one. Pretty amusing Asian guy at that. Um, the tour guide who was murdered the night before. And, and the boat that they were riding in was one of his own. So anyway, uh, while they're talking, you know, she's, she's trying to fucking badger him into helping her. And he, he really isn't, he just like, let it go, let it go, let it go. And then he finds out what her last name is. And, uh, he kind of tells her, we get a little backstory of Victor Crowley here. And, uh, Reverend Zombie starts telling, uh, uh, Mary Beth said her father was one of the uh, kids that was responsible for actually causing the fire that killed Victor Crowley. We get kind of a flashback to the Halloween where um, they're throwing firecrackers, but we get a little bit more this time, um, as opposed to just the you know the parts where they're they're throwing the firecrackers and then you get the fire and then we get Kane Hodder trying to burst in and save his son um, with with the hatchet and you know killing Victor Crowley by accident. This time. We get more about Thomas Crowley, who is Victor's father, of course, played by, again, Kane Hodder, and uh, about how he had an affair with his wife's nurse 
black chick. So apparently uh, Kane Hodder, a.k.a. Thomas Crowley, had uh, a little bit of jungle, jungle fever there for the uh, the uh, the uh, nurse there. So his wife had apparently been uh, diagnosed with stomach cancer. And, you know, uh, they go into this story about how, you know, for months and months of suffering, and I guess even years, you know, he couldn't take any more, and he finally cheated on her with the black chick, and they fell in love, I guess. Well, he got her pregnant. And, but uh, moments before she was dying, Cheyenne Crowley placed a curse on the child that they had uh, conceived. Uh, Lena is the black chick's name and, uh, from the affair. And uh, I think Lena knew something was up right off the bat because she was like, no, no, no. And i tell you, uh, Cheyenne Crowley, I guess that's how it's pronounced. Cheyenne, maybe? I can't remember. Um she was creepy looking because, you know, she had gone through stomach cancer or whatever else. She just looked like shit. And it was creepy as hell when she put this voodoo curse on her. Kind of funny coming from a white chick onto a black chick because when you think about mythology of voodoo, it's usually the other way around. You know, you, you've got the Haitian culture, and I know that sounds racist of me, but, you know, it is what it, it's just the truth, you know. Uh, that's just where it comes from. So, and no point in getting mad at me about it. You can tweet me at phenomenal TLD. Tell me how racist I am. So, months later, um, Lena gives birth to uh, Victor Crowley, the deformed one, the freak show, and she immediately dies. You see all this blood comes out of her, and she's just laying there disputing with this face like she had just seen him and that was just too much for her and um you know then we kind of fast forward to victor getting killed in the fire and 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 again we fast forward again to thomas confronting the three kids responsible basically he's standing at their house with a shotgun telling them to come outside and you know everybody's denying it but you know thomas knows who did it but thomas crowley he becomes a shut-in and as as Reverend Zombie t- tells the story, uh, he dies of a broken heart ten years later. Um, we get you know we get kind of scenes of uh, unvi- undead Victor uh, Crowley slaughtering motherfuckers through this swamp, and they are some awesome scenes, some awesome scenes of people getting their faces torn off, hatchets to the face, jawbones torn out, just great montage of kills. Um, we had a nice little cameo from one of the guys from, um, Frozen, a.k.a. Iceman from X-Men, so that was nice, a nice little cameo there, uh, enjoyed that for sure, um, let's see here, we also, uh, you know, we got, we get a lot of good stuff here, uh, just some badass kills, I mean, that, if there's anything you can take away from these movies, it's for the kills were fucking fantastic. So, anyway, Mary Beth tells Reverend Zombie that she wants to go back and retrieve her, you know, the remains of her father and brother. She's not stupid. She knows they're dead. Maybe she did see them in the first one. Hell, I can't remember. It's been too long since I've seen the first one, which is a damn shame on my part. Tells you what type of a few months it's been for me. But, um... Reverend Zombie's kind of originally against the idea, like I talked about earlier, but eventually he agrees, and he tells her that she has to bring a family member with her. This seems innocent enough. It almost seems like he's trying to get somebody to help her. We don't know why yet. We find out in a bit. So after she leaves, 
uh, Reverend Zombie calls Justin. Uh, same guy who plays Sean in the first one, the Asian guy, and apparently he's Sean's, I would assume, twin brother, and tells him Sean never came back with the boat. And so the guy's like, uh, well, I, I don't know what happened. You know, he was new at this. That seemed pretty obvious, by the way, if you've seen the first one. And, you know, Reverend Zombie says that uh, they're going to go to the sh- swamp to find Sean and the boat, which is bullshit because that's not why they're going, obviously. They're going to go get them some Victor Crowley putting into the swamp, try to own it himself. But, you know, he tells Justin to summon a group of hunters, and in particular, a man by the name of Trent Graves, who is R.A. Milholoff, Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 3. Looks like a big badass biker. We've met him. Uh, we met him at Scarefest in Lexington. And what I was not aware of, and I apologize for the passing tow truck, uh, is that he was a professional wrestler at one point in time. Had no idea, but when you look at him, goddamn, he looks like one. Excuse me while I take a drink of my beer. That's horrible. Bud Light is some nasty shit, let me just say. So, Mary Beth returns home, and I guess this is where we get our nice shower scene. And Uncle Bob, this is Tom Holland, you know, he shows up, and, you know, he tells her that she needs to stay the hell away from Reverend Zombie, but, you know, she talks him into... uh, that, that, you know, she, she'll stay away from them. She bullshits them. And uh, so she goes to this, this uh, meeting at Zombie Shop. Now, I keep wanting to call him Rob Zombie, but Reverend Zombie, Tony Todd, is uh, telling the hunters there, and there's a bunch of them, um, because the second he brings up Victor Crowley, that fucking room clears out, and there's like eight people left. You know, there's some still there's still some people sitting around, you know, thinking they're gonna collect themselves a reward, they're gonna listen to what he has to say. So Zombie tells the hunters that he'll pay them five hundred dollars each to retrieve his boat and five thousand for the head of Victor Crowley. And let me just throw this out here right now. I'm really loving these scenes with Tony Todd at this point. Tony Todd, he got a cool cameo in the first one, but in this one he is one of maybe he is the star of this show. And um, Hatchet, too, I feel like he's the one that carries this movie. You know, Victor Crowley, Kane Hodder aside, um, I feel like Tony Todd's the bright spot of this movie, the the real bright point of this movie. I feel like, you know, aside from Candyman, this is maybe my favorite role of his. He's good as the coroner in Final Destination also, but I'm telling you, this one's right up there. And, you know, Trent's like, uh, I don't go messing around with those woods, even though Trent's a badass. Uh, you know, right, uh, Reverend Zombie's doing his best to convince him, talking about DUIs, his wife taking his fucking money, and, you know, he tells him it'll pay him dr- double to go, and Trent finally agrees. So the hunters leave. By the way, let me just go back to this real quick. The meeting with all the hunters is pretty amusing because you get <laughs> you get Sean or Justin um offering people cookies and stuff. You just get some amusing characters during this whole thing. Somebody brings up um, um, one of our favorite characters, and that is uh, uh, Leslie Vernon until they're cut off. So we get a little Leslie Vernon reference. We like the man behind the mask, Leslie Vernon, but you know we don't get a whole lot of it, but it was a cool little uh, cameo for the uh, name of the character. Anyway, so... 
Tom Holland comes in and he basically gets the pervs away from Mary Beth and he's going to go with her, Uncle Bob. So we've got our our, uh, expedition now. We've got a couple of different boats. We've got uh, a boat kind of helmed by Tony Todd and we've got a boat with Cletus who is the guy who was uh, – fooled into taking money at, uh, in the movie Frozen uh, at the bottom of the ski lift. Fat guy. So anyway, we are now on the boat. And uh, as the boat goes along, we're getting a lot of scenes that don't really mean much of anything, but um, Tony Todd being funny, uh, another black guy on the boat being funny, because God, I can't remember his name if he even had one. Just some amusing characters. Um and, and, you know, I can't do it justice, so I'll just leave it as it is. Watch the movie if you haven't seen it yet. We're talking Hatchet 2, 2010, just as a refresher for anybody. But, I mean, the, the boat scenes are pretty amusing. Yeah. With the chicken and the biscuit and the gray, whatever the hell the dude was saying is, funny shit. So, anyway, they find the boat, and as the rest leave, um, everybody decides to go and... You know, it, it's a horror movie, so everybody splits up, right? Kate, it was uh, Tony Todd's idea, Reverend Zombie, tells everybody to split up. They can cover more ground because it's a horror movie, and that's what you do in a horror movie like this. So, as they, uh, the rest of them leave, two of the hunters, Cletus, which is the guy that had his own boat, and Chad, who uh, Cletus tells is a douchebag name, uh, they stay by the boat in their own little boat, which is kind of, like, have you ever seen anybody, like, I forget what it's called, but those those boats that you kind of go, like, in the Everglades with gators and stuff, it's one of those boats. So, um, they're out there, they stay by that boat, because they're going to go gator hunting. They don't believe in Victor Crowley, they're going to hunt gators instead. I, though I will tell you, Chad was pretty fucking nervous. So the others split up to go find Victor, like I said earlier, and, uh, you got Mary Beth, you got Reverend Zombie, you got Justin, Asian guy, Uncle Bob, and Trent, again, R.A. Milhoff. Uh, they go looking for Crowley's shed and the bodies. But, you know, along the way, Reverend Zombie's starting to tell uh, Justin that Trent, Bob, and Mary Beth's father were the kids who started the fire that killed Victor. So now kind of the plot thickens here. Um, This is where we find out what the point of Mary Beth bringing her uncle was. Well, I'll tell you, and this comes straight from Reverend Zombie. He says that once Crowley kills Bob and Trent, his soul will be at peace and leave the swamp because he's already killed uh, Mary Beth's father. So if he can kill the other two, takes care of the curse, he gets his revenge, it's all said and done, and then once he leaves that swamp, guess who owns that swamp? Reverend Zombie. You know, you, you've you got so much gator hunting there, and apparently that's very valuable. Me not knowing shit about it, being in Louisville, Kentucky, and not in those type of areas, I wouldn't know, but it's probably very true. All right, so um, they don't find the bodies at the shed this time, though. Last time they were in the shed, this time they're not. So they go and they check the main cabin, um, basically, what's going on during this is you get your typical slasher theme. You're getting people um, fucking taken down by Victor Crowley. Um, the rest of the hunting party's getting taken down. You've got uh, 
you've got uh, Chad who who gets fucking hacked in the face just repeatedly with this fucking um, with with the hatchet, and it is just brutal um, because not only does he smack him in the face with, with it, he smacks him in the face with it like 32 times, and uh, Cletus tries to get away, but he gets his face fucked up by a boat propeller. Some pretty brutal stuff here. And um, in another scene, we've got this guy who's engaged, <laughs> hanging out with his ex-girlfriend, his ex-girlfriend who seems to be kind of a crazy bitch, but kind of hot, blonde chick, a little bit of a whore. They're having makeup sex. And this shit is funny as hell because he's fucking her and he's like, uh, he's like, uh, he's fucking her doggy style. And she's like, oh, you like it better than ice cream? He's like, oh yeah, oh yeah. And she's like, you like it better than baby Jesus? And he's like, that's not appropriate. And she's like, tell me you love me. And he's like, oh. And so he, of course, is having a lie because, you know, that's what you got to do sometimes during these situations. <sighs> you got to do what you got to do to get your dick wet. Anyway. So, he, uh, while he's fucking her, Victor Crowley appears, and he fucking decapitates him. By the way, just for everybody to know, I went and pissed on the side of my house while that was going on. So, uh, that's right. I managed to pull that off. Um, you can go back and listen to it and tell me if you noticed. Now, uh, like I said, he decapitates that dude, or... Does he, yeah, he decapitates her, and he likes his body still fucking her, and she's like, oh yeah, and then he just kind of slumps over, obviously, because it doesn't fucking have a head, and she looks back, and uh, she realizes that you know he's dead, and uh, he fucking whacks her right in between the legs, and then all the way up through the chest with that hatchet, takes her out. That's the end of blonde chick <clears throat> with that good old hatchet. So, we finally go to uh, John and Vernon, and uh, Vernon's Vernon's a black guy, and John is Rick McCollum. I think he's a stuntman. He's been a stuntman some other stuff, and, and you know, they're kind of doing the uh, Christmas story thing where, uh, you know, Vernon kind of punches John in the arm, and then John punches him, and he's like, ah! Anyway, so they try to get away from Victor Crowley after shooting him a bunch of times, which he no-sells kind of weird in the first one you shoot him with a pistol he goes down but you shoot him with like a uh, a rifle with a um a scope on it and this one dude just no sells it just keeps walking so anyway he pulls out the biggest fucking chainsaw that i have ever seen in my entire life we're talking it makes the chainsaw from uh texas chainsaw massacre part three look like child's play this thing is fucking huge i mean it, this thing could take down any kind of tree you can imagine. It was impressive. And he picks up both of these motherfuckers on a chainsaw and, and just cuts their balls right off of shows their fucking nuts come down, and he splits them both in half. All right. So, useless characters have been disposed of. We now have our few survivors left. So, we go to where... Uh, they're searching the cabin, you know, to find uh, Robert England and his kid. Uh, and they start hearing Victor Crowley outside, and that's some scary shit, let me just say. And, you know, they start hiding, and, and Justin tells Mary Beth about Rob Zombie, uh, Rob Zombie, Reverend Zombie trying to uh, get her uncle and Trent killed. 
and and she tells him, you know, that her brother, that his brother's dead. So he just now realized that this is the case. So um, she runs off to run and warn Bob, but Justin jams the door shut with a chair so nobody can get in there. But uh, Victor turns up behind Justin, and he fucking this is a brutal kill. He he pins Justin, the Asian guy, to a wall with the hatchet, and he fucking pulls out this belt sander and well I mean his head's already busted open with this but he pulls out this belt sander and just starts sanding the back of his head into his brain and it is gross but it is also awesome. Victor Crowley a fan of the power tools last episode or or last uh, hatchet movie we got him pulling out the, uh, the same weapon on somebody's jaw this time it's on their brain so, you know, Victor knows his shit. So Bob uh, is going to try to go save Justin, but he accidentally releases good old Victor Crowley. And Mary Beth uh, tries to attack him, but she's tossed against the wall like it's nothing. He just fucking hurls her. Because, you know, Danielle Harris is a little chick. She's like four feet tall. Dude, when we met her, she's so short. I wanted to put her in my pocket take her home with me. Which, who could blame me? Anyway, so Victor... Starts uh, fighting with Trent now. Victor spears Trent against the wall. They start stumbling into the kitchen. And, and this is where we get a hell of a battle. I mean, these two, this is what, if you see, if you haven't seen Hatchet 3, I'm not going to spoil it. But, you know, we're supposed to get something like this between him and Derek Mears. We don't. I'll just say that. Uh, this is what I had hoped for. But we don't get that. So, Victor fucking throws Trent around a little bit, but, you know, Trent's fighting pretty hard, um, and, uh, Trent, you know, he's fighting back, he's got Crowley, uh, pinned against the support, and he's hitting him with tables and chairs and shit, but Victor finally kicks him in the leg and fucking snaps his leg, Trent falls over, Victor kind of, like, curb stomps his head onto the table, half his head comes flying off, um, and, yeah, uh, there goes uh, there goes Trent. So two thirds of the prophecy have been fulfilled, or really, you know what I'm talking about. He's trying to fulfill that revenge thing that uh, Reverend Zombie was talking about. And so now we move on to Bob because supposedly, if if you know if he finishes off Bob, that will break the curse. So here we go. Um, Zombie grabs Mary Beth, he drags her out of the house, and he traps Bob inside there with Victor Crowley. Bob, old man, he's got no fucking chance. Mary Beth screams as she hears Bob inside, and Bob's like, come on, you hatchet-faced motherfucker. And Bob goes out, you know, at least he tries to fight him, but it doesn't go well for him. He gets murdered by Victor. We don't really get to see it. We just see blood flying everywhere, and you just know Bob gets his shit torn the fuck up because Victor Crowley's a bad motherfucker. So, you know, she's falling to the ground. She, zombie's like, you know, Victor Crowley's dead. The swamp is mine. And Mary Beth's telling him, you know, she's going to go to the police. Well, Zombie says, you know, nope, you're not. And he points a gun at her head. And he's going to take care of this right now. So this is where the plot thickens once again. We get a little bit of the swerve here from Mary Beth. She tells Reverend Zombie... The Bob was not her real uncle. Her father's brother had died of leukemia when she was 12. And just at that moment, Victor breaks through the wall of the cabin, 
and Reverend Zombie's like, motherfucker, or whatever he says. And then we get another epic brawl here where uh, Reverend Zombie's choking the shit out of Victor Crowley at first. Um, And, you know, he's getting Victor pretty good, but Victor pulls that hatchet out, and he starts fucking nailing that thing right into uh, Reverend Zombie's ribs and back. And um, he he hits him so many times, he fucking cuts him in half, and then he fucking pulls his torso off his skin by pulling on his spine. It was nasty. It was like some shit you'd see in Mortal Kombat. Vic, do I hear you? Here, I thought I wasn't alone. I still am. Anyway, back to the uh, conversation at hand, because we almost wrapped this thing up. Let's see here. So he severs him in half, pulls his torso off skin by pulling his spine. Anyway, Mary Beth attacks. And by the way, that's the end of fucking Reverend Zombie. He throws him against the wall. Bye-bye, Tony Todd. But just at that moment, Mary Beth takes that opportunity. She fucking comes diving out of nowhere like a crazy bitch. She she attacks Victor with his own hatchet, knocking him to the ground. She just starts fucking wailing on his face with that hatchet until there is nothing there but a bloody pulp. And then she stops and walked off. And, and you, you you know it's a horror movie, so Victor hands tw- Victor's hand twitches, and then she comes back and she stands over him with the shotgun. And what does she say? She says, "Fuck you!" And then she fires the gun into the remains of his head. Finally shooting him off and seemingly, seemingly ending his reign of terror. Now, a few things to note here. Again, you know, people give shit to Daniel Harris for this role. And I have to be honest with you, it wasn't her best acting job. I've, I've seen better from her. It was fine. You know, I don't hate it. I don't love it. I see where people are coming from. Um... You know, her trying to do an accent was shit. But, you know, overall, though, she still looked good. She did her part. It was what it was. I wouldn't, I didn't care about her either way, really. It was all about Tony Todd. It was all about Kane Hodder and this, as far as I was concerned. Some of the uh, other little small bit characters were amusing, too. So uh, let's get into a little bit of trivia about the movie. Well, one of the things about this movie is that the crew is almost entirely the same crew who made Hatchet, the, the first one. And that was one of Adam Green's actual prerequisites for making this movie um, or, or for directing this movie is that he would get the same crew. Uh, and, and I referenced this earlier, but the unrated version of this movie is actually shown in 60 theaters on its debut weekend across the, uh, the U.S. and Canada. Most of those theaters were too stupid to realize uh, how violent this movie was. And, you know, near most of most all of the movies had stopped playing the movie by uh, Monday morning. So, um, again, you know, this movie got fucked. But, you know, I, I guess these theaters have that right. I think it's dumb, but what can you do? Uh... There's uh, some horror websites, and I don't know which ones, but I would assume like a Fangoria or something like that, uh, that reported a crew member quit on day two to do due to moral reasons with what was taking place within the scene. God can I can only it's probably the fucking doggy style scene. Uh, according to BloodyDisgusting.com, Hatchet Two's final tally of fake blood used in the making of the film is 136 gallons. Amazing. That's 81 gallons more 
and more than double the amount used in the making of hatchet, which reported, reportedly used 55 gallons of fake blood. So that's a hell of a lot. Uh, to keep details under wraps, even the crew did not receive copies of the script, and the majority of the cast only re- received select pages. So fake script, fake endings, and fake storylines were circulated around the industry, and no visitors or guests were allowed near the set. See, that's what Scream 2 needed. Um, I guess Adam Green learned the lesson of what they had to deal with with all the different changes that movie had to go through because so many fucking things had leaked about that movie. It sucks, though. I mean, Hostel 2 had to go through that, too. I mean, that movie was getting bootlegged before it was even out. You know, we had Adam Green on here to talk about Frozen. We we dealt with this once upon a time, so... Let's get back to the rating. Uh, the first horror movie to be theatrically released unrated in mainstream cinemas across the U.S. since George A. Romero's Dawn of the Dead over 32 years earlier, 1978. Um, when the MPA kept giving Hatchet 2 an NC-17 rating with each submission, the filmmakers decided to say fuck them, and they went straight to a major cinema chain and to show them the movie. AMC Theaters saw the uncut movie, and they loved it. Uh, that's, again, where I was going to go see the movie at Newport Aquarium, or Newport Aquarium, by Newport Aquarium. So, uh, after they heard just how much of the violence would have to be cut out to get an R rating, AMC agreed to release Hatchet 2 in their theaters unrated. So, you know, of course they later pulled it, which made no fucking sense. I mean, if you know, why are you going to pull it? It's dumb. So... Uh, something pretty cool here. I'm sure a lot of people would know this. Adam Green, Kane Hodder, R.A. Milholoff, and Rick McCollum are all members of the paranormal investigation group Hollywood Ghost Hunters. All right, so while most every store, rental, and streaming carrier will carry Hatchet 2 in the director's theatrical, unrated cut, Redbox insisted on the R rating. Well, we'll just skip over the rest of that. Of course, we get the Adam Green cameo. Um... During one scene, the guy mentions Jason Voorhees when they talk about, you know, Victor Crowley. And, uh, you know, we also get uh, the uh, the fucking um, mention of uh, Leslie Vernon. Now, here's one that I didn't even know this fact about until I rewatched the movie and I was watching what was on the TV in the background of Reverend Zombie Shop. You get a cameo here. And you get the character of Parker O'Neill, and if you've heard our Frozen um, show, then you know who the hell that is. It, you know, it's the chick from Adam Green's Frozen, and you see her briefly on the TV in that, you know, Reverend Zombie's voodoo shop. And, you know, she's talking to the news cameras about her lawsuit and settlement against the ski mountain from the film. Um, so it's kind of interesting uh, to get a little um, closure on Frozen. And, you know, the chick. Obviously lived. Because, you know, she could have died. You don't know for sure. Um, To accommodate his promotional duties for Frozen, Adam Green had to split the shooting schedule into two parts. All right, so let's see what else we got here. I'm skipping some of the shit about R-rated and all this. Hatchet 2 marked the first of Adam Green's films where his name was credited above the title, Adam Green's Hatchet 2, and the film was written, directed, and executive produced by Adam Green. Um, 
and then this is cool too. If you watch all three Hatchet movies in a row, and we'll talk about Hatchet 3 next year around this time, probably a little closer to Mardi Gras than we did this year, um, without opening and end credits, uh, it would actually be one uninterrupted storyline revolving around a few days. So that's pretty cool. Uh, here's another one. In each of the three Hatchet films, someone says the line, you've got to be fucking kidding me. In this film, it's Tony Todd. What I was talking about earlier um, is, is when Tony Todd realized that Victor Crowley's still alive. Uh, final draft of the script is dated December 7, 2009. The cast gathered for a table reading on December 15, 2009. Last thing here, as far as trivia goes, um, during the meeting when Tony Todd is offered the bounty character, um, he mentions Jason Voorhees. He also mentions, you know, of course, Leslie Vernon as well. So, um, you know, again, another independent horror character is mentioned in this. So a lot of good stuff here, man. Um, I have no idea when Vic's coming on. Again, we're 40 minutes into this bad boy, so I have no idea. You know, again, his blowjobs might have ran over. Um Uh, so we'll just uh, not even worry about him right now. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about how I feel about this movie. Now, again, I talked about Danielle Harris. I've talked a little bit about Tony Todd, how I feel like this is the kind of his movie as far as I'm concerned. I mean, obviously Adam Green is the one who did this movie, but I'm I'm talking about outside of Kane Hodder, this movie is all about Tony Todd. Um, without Tony Todd, this movie would not be as strong as it was. Um, Danielle Harris, I don't love her in this movie. Some of the other small characters are fun, but to me, Tony Todd's the best character in this, aside from Kane Hodder, Victor Crowley. Now, um, Tony Todd is just awesome in this. I mean, because he, he knows how to be humorous when he needs to be. He knows how to be the asshole bad guy when he needs to be. He's just great. Um, Tony Todd is so good in this. And to me, he raises this movie from a three and a half rating that, that I would give this movie because of the awesome kills, a little bit of nudity, and uh, some of the other stuff, to a four. Um, so, yeah, I give this movie a four. Um uh, it, it just deserves it. Uh, I mean, to me, Tony Todd, again, carries this movie to a four. He, he's awesome. The kills are great. I mean, I don't know. It, it's pretty much like rehashing. You know, and, you know, it, it's just one of those things where it's like, they did they did the first one all over again and they did it again properly the second time also it's kind of like uh it's kind of like Halloween and Halloween 2 where again they it takes place right after the first one they did it just right they they knew exactly what to do they they highlighted the strong points brought it back again and i mean just i don't have a whole lot of complaints about this movie and you know, like I said, a lot of people complain about Daniel Harris, but, you know, what are you going to complain about when it's Daniel Harris, really? 
her accent sucks. I mean, this is a, a B-level horror movie. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a good way. It's just that, I mean, that's what it is. Let's not be r- ridiculous here or unrealistic. Um, you know, I mean, it, it just is. And and it's a fun one, too. And I love it. And it's awesome. And this is appointment viewing for me. I feel like the first two are really strong. And both of them are, are four out of four, two of the best. You know, something to think about here. As far as one-two punches of slasher series all time, um, you know, you've got Friday the 13th and Friday the 13th Part 2. Great one-two punch. Got Halloween, Halloween 2. Awesome one-two punch. Possibly the best. Got Texas Chainsaw, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. My Personally, my favorite. But, you know, now that I think about it, Hatchet 1 and Hatchet 2, is there any really any other slashers that can touch these two? I mean, as far as I'm concerned, there's not, especially not in the modern era. We'll, we'll say this for sure. In the last 20 years, I don't feel like there's a better one-two punch. Not Scream 1 and not Scream 2, in my opinion. Um, not Saw 1 and Saw 2, although it comes close. Saw 1 and Saw 2 did quite well. Hostile 1 and Hostile 2, no. And and I'm jumping outside the slasher realm, I realize. Uh, Final Destination, Final Destination 2, nope. Um, Insidious 1 and 2, not for me. I like the first one a lot. The second one's okay, and it's pretty good, but, you know. I mean, this is just me, though. Um, so other people might feel differently. I feel like Hatchet 1 and Hatchet 2, you know, destroy anything in the last 20 years as far as a one-two punch of a horror series. Granted, this is probably just a trilogy. Uh, we'll get into that next year when we talk about Hatchet 3. But, you know, it, it's it's one of those things where it's like, I don't think people realize how great this was. And if it had come out in a different era it'd get even more credit than what it does now. This is not one of those things where it's like, this movie only gets credit because it's a throwback. No, it gets credit because it's fucking great movies. Both of them are. And, and I really feel like they fit in just fine with all those other great slashers, and they belong in that uh, that realm of greatness. I mean, to me, this is a better one-two punch than Nightmare on Elm Street. Child's Play. Candyman. Uh, Hellraiser, and you know, people may think I'm overrating this, but I think it's way better as far as a one-two punch. Um, we could get into other things, but I mean, it's true. I feel like, you know, most most movies have sequels to disappoint. I don't feel like this sequel's disappointed at all because you get a big role from Tony Todd, who's awesome in it. And I'll just tell you now, like I love Tony Todd, and I love him in Candyman. But I've seen him disappoint in movies before, and not as the coroner and Final Destination, but let, let's say, how about this, Night of the Living Dead, the remake. I love Tony Todd, but he overacts like a motherfucker in that one. Don't get me wrong, he is awesome. I love Tony Todd. Um, love meeting him, love talking to him whenever he's at conventions. But for some reason, that movie, I'm just not a fan of his. Maybe it's because I love the original Night of the Living Dead. One of these days, we'll get into that. Um, but I felt like he overacted in the, that movie. This movie, he is perfect for it. Um, and just hearing Adam Green do commentary on these movies is pretty cool, too. So if you haven't watched this movie in a while, or, or whatever the case may be, maybe you didn't give it enough of a chance the first time, you know, kind of take off your cynical glasses, watch this movie, and show it some love. You know, it deserves it. It's a great slasher sequel in an era where we're not getting slashers, period. So to get a great sequel is uh, pretty amazing. 
Now, um, that is this week as far as uh, movies go. If Vic gets on, we'll get his rating. Uh, I'm going to do about a few more minutes of this. I don't want to just talk endlessly and wear everybody out, but I will tell everybody, just as a cheap plug, April 18th, we have our main event of April all set up, all planned. We've got Wendell Watkins coming on from the Crime Museum in Washington, D.C. to talk about one Albert Fish. And I am excited about that because Albert Fish is one of our most requested serial killers to talk about. Um, you know, he's right up there with with the Dahmers and Bundys of the world. We've already done Dahmer and Bundy. We're going to do Albert Fish. Albert Fish is cut from the same mold as a Dahmer, but you take that same sickness and apply it till, towards children, and we have possibly the most disturbing serial killer or human being we've ever talked about on this show. We talked about how Gacy may be the uh, most, I don't know, uh, creepy serial killer we've ever had. Albert Fish ain't far off, I'll tell you that much right now. So April 18th, Albert fucking Fish. Um, for everybody who loves that type of thing, you're going to love that. Vic, did I just hear you? Are you here? Nope. Still me. Still me. All right. So, Albert Fish, April 18th. Next week, we are going to be talking about a movie. Um, I don't know. I don't know if people have heard of it, but... Um, if you have Netflix, you can find it. It's a, it's called Preservation. And, um, you know, it's kind of self-explanatory. Just check it out. You know, if you have Netflix, you don't have to go very far to watch it. Uh, this would be our third Netflix movie that we've talked about on here. I don't know that it was specifically made for Netflix, but, you know, that's where you can find it, and that's where we found it, or where I found it. And I just decided, you know what, let's talk about something a little different. Instead of the uh, same old, same old, we'll go a little different. We talked about antisocial once upon a time, uh, and we talked about Mockingbird. Both of those were slightly disappointing. Antisocial was shit as far as I was concerned. Mockingbird was good, but then was ruined completely by the ending, possibly the worst ending of any horror movie I've ever seen. Just, I mean, it was that bad. Um, in my opinion, I think it was nonsens- nonsensical and stupid. You can go back to Blog Talk Radio, Elite, no, not Elite Podcast, Filling the Void Radio Network. We've got it on our website, travinbighorror.wordpress.com, where you can uh, actually go back and listen to those where I tear up antisocial within five minutes of me starting the show. But give Mockingbird some props for a while, and then I tell the truth about what the fuck is wrong with that movie. Um, could have been a great movie just did not turn out that way but we'll see about preservation um, maybe talking to some guests we'll see I'm working on it never an easy thing I'll tell you that much especially when it's a recent horror movie which this one's from 2014 so not going to be the easiest thing in the world I've hit up a couple guests one of them got back to me but they wanted me to talk to their agency so we'll, we'll see what happens there never an easy thing when you have to deal with an agency so, again, preservation next week. The week after, I was going to give Vic the choice, but I'm not sure why I would bother if he's never on the fucking show. So, I may just pick something myself. We'll see. Um, I have some things in mind, and we will see if I move forward with those accordingly. Um, again, April 18th, Albert fucking Fish. 
Uh, I don't think there's any other way to describe him. He is a goddamn madman, or he was until he got the death penalty in New York before they abolished it, 1972 or so. So uh, what a bunch of pussies New York are. Um, So that's what we've got going on. Now, as far as what I've been watching, I watch Preservation. Uh, Of course, I've... Let's see, what else have I been into as far as far as horror? Not a lot. I'm still waiting for the NCAA tournament to end, and I can kind of go balls to the wall on this. But to be honest, I'm already at that point because, I mean, we're already past the main games. There's only a, a three left, so I can get back into things now. I finished up Daredevil. Awesome second season, just let me say. Uh, I started on Jessica Jones. I want to hear what everybody thinks of that. Tweet me at Phenomenal TLD. Tell me what you think of Jessica Jones. First episode. I was a little weirded out by it. I wasn't sure what to think of it. I didn't dislike it. I did watch Superman versus Batman, or Batman versus Superman with Vic, and Dawn of Justice. And we, some mixed opinions there. We both said it was good, but not great. I want to see what people think of that. Um, I've heard people overrate it, but I've heard people bash it to the point where you're being a little ridiculous, too. So I'm just not sure what everybody thinks of Batman versus Superman. It seems like a very polarizing um, superhero movie. And, you know, I just want to, you know, I just want to see what everybody thinks of it. So, you know, let us know. Uh, Vic, actually, I think is going to call in here shortly, which is nice, because I've ran my mouth for 52 minutes by myself, which is fucking amazing, let me just say. Anyway, so Batman versus Superman, I would say this. Go see it. It's definitely worth seeing. Just don't have huge expectations because I feel like they jam too much shit in one movie. Um, Vic is apparently too stupid to just click on our link, so it is what it is. Uh, I'm going to send him the info real quick here, so if everybody could just bear with me. Um I'll send that to him. Anyway, so, yeah, uh, the, uh, the Batman versus Superman movie, it was fine. But if you're a comic book fan and you want to get nerd rage over it, there are certain things that are going to piss you off. I'm one of those people. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, like, Batman and Superman are my favorite comic book characters because they're really not. Like, I don't dislike either one of them. I think they're great. Um, but, like, I'm not specifically a Batman or Superman fan. I like Batman's villains, and I appreciate what Superman is, but I'm not a huge fan of either one of them. So it's not like that I'm upset about that. I just feel like they jammed too much into one movie. They could have gone an hour and 45 minutes, been a hell of a lot more effective than trying to jam jam two of the biggest storylines in comic book history into one movie, which they did, and I won't tell you what it is because I'm not going to be an asshole and spoil it. Uh, Batflick, Ben Affleck was amazing. I'll just say that right now. For anybody who wanted to hate on Ben Affleck, he was great. Uh, I thought he was really cool in the role. Um, I thought he did an awesome job. I thought Wonder Woman was great. I thought Lex Luger was great. Lex Luger. Lex Luthor was awesome. Um, people, a lot of people did not like Lex Luthor, and I'm not sure why. Uh, what's up, Vic? Vic, uh, I know he's there. I'm just waiting for him to actually connect. What's up, man? What is up, brother man? How we doing? 
I was just talking about Batman versus Superman, but before we get into that, how about you uh, throw out some thoughts on Hatchet too? Um, well, to be uh, quite blunt, because I'm sure you already uh, discussed it all, um, I love it. It's, I mean, Hatchet is actually one of my favorite uh, slasher series, even though it's only got the three films. And I thought part two, I mean, it's got a star-studded cast, and I just think it's awesome. Um, man, put it down to it. I mean, honestly, I, I like it almost as much as uh, part one, and I probably give it three out of five out of or three point five out of four. I give it I give it four out of four, Vic. And you know why I give I it almost, four out of four? Why is that? Tony Todd to me is what pushed it to four out of four. I feel like this is his second best. Um, performance in any movie ever. It's better than the Coroner in uh, Final Destination movies. It's better than the Candyman movies, except for the first one. Um, and it's definitely better than Night of the Living Dead. Like, I was thinking about that before we get, went on the air, and I was like, this is what makes this movie so great, is Tony Todd. And I know that's weird, but he really is. Uh, no, and I agree with you, and I, I was, I've been thinking about it all day, what I would actually give it. I didn't get to uh, watch it um, before we did the show, but yeah, I mean, I was so close to giving it a four, but it's just it's not as good as the original, obviously, because mm-hmm. the original was an instant classic to me. Yeah. You know, I think I actually saw part two first. You did. Yeah, which is weird, but yeah, I mean, it's it's like right there between the. Uh, three and a half and a four to me. And like, you know, probably depending on the day would depend on my rating for it. He, he, like I said, this movie is, you know, the first one was all about cameos, you know, it was just cameos, but this one, you know, you got a full role from Tony Todd. You got R.A. Milholoff playing a whole role. I mean, it wasn't just cameos in this. It was people actually playing roles and it was fun, man. I, I will say, I agree with you. I think Hatchet is better than this one overall. Um, you know, one of the big criticisms of this movie is actually Danielle Harris, which is weird to me because everybody loves Danielle Harris, but her doing the accent, and there's a bunch of other things people criticize, which, like, they make fun of her eyebrow, which I think is pretty rude yeah. because she's still hot. But, you know, yeah. like, I, I don't understand where that comes from. I mean, you're going to make fun of that, but you know you'd fucking jack off to her in a second. I mean, I do every night. Let's exactly. be real. Let's be real. If yeah, I didn't, I, then I wouldn't be a man. I'm not going to sit here and lie to everybody and pretend it was the best acting performance ever, but let's let's be real here, dude. This was an independent horror movie, and who gives a shit about acting anyway in a slasher? Come on, now. Yeah, I mean, like, if I can't fuck about acting in a slasher, then I just wouldn't like the genre. You know what I'm saying? You know, yep. And, Vic, I was, I was talking about this also. Originally, I threw it out as a slasher, but overall... Um, I almost fell down the stairs just now because I've been drinking too much. I mean, seriously, I did. Wow. Anyway, yeah. So I, I drank a lot before we came on the air. Uh, so, all right. So, all right. So over the last 20 years, okay, and not just slashers, think about the one-two punches we've gotten in horror movies, and none mm-hmm. of them can touch Hatchet as far as I'm concerned. The closest one is Saul, maybe Insidious, okay? Insidious yeah. 1 and 2 are, are both good. I like Insidious a lot. You like Insidious 2 a lot. 
Um, mm-hmm. Saw one and two are very good. I think they they come the closest as far as you know best two entries. Hostile one and two are good. Um, yeah, they're not bad. Uh, Scream one and two don't even come close. The first one's great. The second one's okay. Um, yeah. But you know, like when you think about it, Final Destination one and two, Final Destination the first one's great. Second one's okay. It's fine. <laughs> I mean. The series is good. I'm not saying it's not. The second one just doesn't match the first one. But, like, as far as one-two punches go, this one, you could take it all the way back to the 80s and the 70s. It, it ranks right up there with the Halloween 1 and 2, Friday the 13th 1 and 2, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1 and 2. What do you think of that? Uh, you know, I've never really thought about it, but uh, you're right. I mean, well, first of all, it, do you consider uh, Devil's Rejects the sequel to House of a Thousand Corpses? I do, but I, I don't think House of a Thousand Corpses can touch Devil's Rejects. Like I think it's that far apart. Well, I, I, I agree, and I mean, I just think it's up there with them if if we consider it a sequel. But either way, yeah, I mean, like, to find a one-two punch like this, man, you're right. You got to go to your, you know, Halloween and Chainsaw and uh, Friday, and it's it's right up there. And I may put it. Like maybe two or three overall, man. I mean, Chainsaw. I think we we both uh, talked about being the the best one too. And then Halloween, and then probably Friday Thirteenth, and then and then I put Hatchet right there. Although I tell you, Hatchet could battle Friday Thirteenth for the number three slot easily. It could, yeah. And that's what I mean, yeah. Because Halloween's definitely got the better one too. But I think it could battle uh, Friday Thirteenth. And although to be fair. To be fair, I just want to say with Halloween, as much as I love Halloween and I think those movies are masterpieces, it depends on what mood you're in. If you're wanting to have fun, fucking hatch it over <laughs> them any day. Any day. Oh, yeah. Like, hatch it is just a fun slasher. And I think that's why... <clears throat> I think that's why I love Adam... Adam Green so much, man. He just wants to go out and have fun his... <laughs> if I don't die. Yeah, I haven't coughed all day until I get in my car. <laughs> quit, quit smoking crack. I can't help it, man. It, it does the body good. Got to lose weight somehow, right? Yeah, I'm on the Jenny Crank diet. There you go. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, it's just fun. And Adam Green knows how to have fun with his movies. And there's that's why Adam Green is a god. Well, let's think about this, Vic. Okay, so this movie, I've already talked about the modern ones at tops as far as one-two punches. Exorcist, easily. You know, because Exorcist 2 sucks. Um, it yeah. tops any. It tops the t- first two Omen movies. It tops um, It tops uh, uh, Child's Play 1 and 2. It tops Nightmare on Elm Street 1 and 2, because Nightmare on Elm Street 2 is just not that great. I've talked about that already on this show. It's not, dude. Yep. They they were pushing some political agenda or some gender agenda. It was fucked up. Um, it was gay. Yeah, was gay. exactly. It was literally gay. Uh, it's yeah, better than Candyman 1 and 2. Once you've seen Candyman, you've seen Candyman 2 and 3. Uh, oh, it's yeah. Just, I mean, it tops Hellraiser 1 and 2. But oh, easily. It is. It's crazy to think about, but... I mean, but you know, and it's weird because I think a lot of fans who are so jaded about horror movies, they don't want to give this movie a chance, or they just want to hate it right off the bat. Which I find weird because I can't find anything to hate these movies about at all. 
and I can't understand why anybody would. You'd think for a generation that pines for the 80s so bad would love the shit out of this movie, but it feels like it doesn't get enough love. And maybe I'm wrong, but that's how it feels to me. Hey, I mean, I guess you can, you know, maybe it's a cult classic, but, like, even, like, in the horror groups I'm in and Facebook and the message boards, you just don't see a lot of love for Hatchet. And I don't no, get you it. Don't. Like, you it's see really more odd. love for you see more love for Frozen than you do Hatchet. You know what I'm saying? It's just weird to me. Yeah, I don't get it, man. I don't get it. You know, Vic, here's one that I could figure uh, that we could throw right into the discussion. Evil Dead 1 and 2. That one would be right here with Hatchet 1 and 2, I'd say. Yep, I agree. I mean, you know, I'm not the biggest uh, Bruce fan, but yeah. Historically... Historically, it's definitely at that level. People love both of the first ones of that series. So, you know, we'll see what we think in a year when we talk about Hatchet 3. We'll talk about it closer to Mardi Gras next year. We fucked that all up this year, so my apologies for that. Um, <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, but Vic, yeah. you have to find the time to watch. You have to find the time to watch Preservation, okay? On, I will, um, I will. You know, just just do it. Get it over with. I had to watch Antisocial, even though it took me a week to do it or whatever. So, oh, that was, this, that was such a good movie. Fuck that movie. That was the worst Netflix <laughs> movie we've watched so far. And I'll say that before yeah. I even talk about Preservation next week. That's so awesome. I, I talked we, about earlier how Mockingbird could have been good, and it was uh, okay right up until the end, and then it was maybe the worst horror movie ending ever. Uh, oh, dude. I, you know, now that I was thinking about it, though, and this movie was shit from beginning to end. The other one that I can think of that was shit like that was, uh, uh, what was it, fucking Lords of Salem. The ending of that sucked, too. That movie was just trash, and that and that got a real release. Yeah, and people still think it's good, and they want to lie to Rob Zombie and fucking boost his ego, and they should tell him it's shit, not lie to him. I swear to God, if 31, is, if 31 sucks... I'm, I'm, I'm going to his fucking house and raping his wife. <laughs> That's my word. <laughs> I kept calling Reverend Zombie, uh, Rob Zombie, and this fucking rundown. That's so awesome. I told you, man. I've been drinking a lot. I pissed on the side of the house while I was doing the show. Nobody knew about it until I told him. <laughs> that is great. You haven't done yeah. that in a while, man. I know, right? I told you, man. I don't know what happened. I just got too drunk. I started drinking all this nasty-ass Bud Light from the Super Bowl. I had to get rid of it. I'm tired of it. Wow, from the Super Bowl? Yeah, man. I don't drink all that much anymore, so it makes it even more powerful when I decide to. Let me just say, Vic, Bud Light is nasty shit. Yeah, the only Bud Light I like is Platinum is good. Bud Light Platinum? Yes. But regular Bud Light is shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fuck, man, I drink Bud Ice also, even though one time I puked in a pitcher from drinking it. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it was. I was playing beer pong, and I drank too much. Wow. I love it. Kick. I love it. I love it. Yes, sir. So, Vic, uh, I, I said earlier, you know, we t- we were uh, we went and saw Batman versus Superman. And without spoiling it for people who haven't seen it yet, we won't get into that. I went into a little bit of nerd rage how I said that they jammed too much into one movie, and I still feel like that's 100% true. I feel like Ben mm-hmm. Affleck was awesome. Yeah. Well, let's just take them one by one. You agree with that? Ben Affleck was awesome? Yeah. Ben Affleck was amazing. I thought he was a good Batman, even better Bruce Wayne. 
Uh, yep, Adrian I agree Brooklyn. with that. He really yeah. he fit the uh, you know fan the billionaire role for sure. Yep, and and he had good motivations and everything. Okay, so the next thing, what did you think of Wonder Woman? I liked her a lot. I I thought Wonder Woman was cool. I mean, I yeah. I would have liked to have seen a bigger role for her, but I mean, we all know what they're building up to, so. But she, yeah, she's I getting a single she, movie, I think, before Justice League. So, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I thought she was cool. You know, and I never cared about Wonder Woman at all, but I thought she was more badass than Superman and Batman in this movie. Yeah, I mean, you know, in her limited uh, spotlight, I thought she she got it in, man. You know, they asked her, this the chick who plays her, Gal Gadot or whatever her name is. They asked her. <laughs> They asked her, how, how are you going to get boobs like Wonder Woman's? Because Wonder Woman's boobs are bigger than hers in the comics. And she was yeah. like, well, I'm an Amazonian, and, and Amazonians usually have one boobs, and I don't think I can pull that off. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was pretty funny. That's awesome. All right, so next thing, and this is the thing that I think this is the most polarizing of everything. Okay, Vic, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you've heard different things that are people are on different sides, because I think most people like Ben Affleck. This yep. is the one that I think people are on the most opposite sides of, and this is Lex Luthor. I've already told you, man. I, I thought he was the best part of the movie. I do, too. <laughs> and, you know, like, I don't know what people wanted from him. I guess they felt like he was a little bit too much like the Joker in this movie. But like, Yeah, this that's, is not, that's what I've heard. This is not a 30-year criminal Lex Luthor, though. This is Lex Luthor starting out as a crazy fucking madman but he was a he was a crazy scientist to start out and don't get me wrong i'm not a huge superman follower so i'm not going to get nerd rage over that anyway but i mean like Mm. i just thought it was cool and he intrigued me everything he did i was paying attention to yes exactly like he he was just amazing dude like and like you said very very polarizing I've heard people say that he was trying to top the Joker, you know, Heath Ledger's Joker, and I'm like, nah, dude. He was just being fucking, he was still in the show. That's what he was doing. He well, was doing his job as far as I'm concerned. Yep, yep. Okay, so here's one, and we haven't even brought this up really. What do you think of Alfred? I, I, don't, I don't really know what I thought of. Like, Me either. It was, was weird. It didn't feel like Alfred did it. No, it didn't. And, like... He was fine, but mm-hmm. he didn't stand out, and I didn't hate him, I guess. Yeah. You know he just saying? didn't feel like a butler. Like, that, I think that was my issue with it. Is he, that, he felt more like a like a special agent or something. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, and, and, and I, think I, I think I had an issue with that, but, like, not a big issue. It just didn't feel like Alfred to me. But, you yeah, know, he it, was it fine. Really I like Jeremy Irons. He's a good actor. He, so, I mean, he was more like, uh, like Batman's grandpa or something. No, what was the dude, uh, Rupert is uh, Fox from the trilogy? I know he was in the comics, too. Uh, Morgan Freeman's character. He reminded me more of him. Yeah, yeah. I so anyway, all right, let's see. And I'm trying to get into things that aren't spoilers. Oh, okay, so Superman. I'm going to get into this first myself. Um, I have no problem with the actor. Let me just say that right off of that. Henry Cavill's fine. He was fine in Man of Steel. His the, the writing and direction he's given though I think is total shit. That is not Superman as far as I'm concerned. I mean, dude, you and I, even if you didn't like Superman, you grew up on those Christopher Reeve movies. The, yeah. This isn't Superman. The way he's acting, he's fucking emo. 
Yeah. Yeah. I said, I'll go ahead and put it out there. I'm not a Superman fan. Um, I don't read the comics. I don't, I don't like the movies. And I, I mean, yes, I, I just want to say he, Superman sucked. But you're right. It's, I don't really know if it's the actor or if it's just because I've never seen Man of Steel. Now, mm-hmm. never, you know what I'm so maybe it is just the writing, and it just boggles him down. But I, I just think he's given. I mean, there's no humor in the fucking script. That's part of it, you know. You know going, going into the movie, not being a Superman fan, leaving the movie, I'm still not a Superman fan. You know what I'm yeah. saying? You like, like him even less, I bet. Yeah, there was nothing there to really say, hey, you know, you should be a Superman fan. Like, yep. nothing nothing in the movie made me want to be a Superman fan. Yeah, I mean... Was uh, already. Let me just say, Lois Lane, uh, I don't really n- know what to say about her other than I'd play with her tits. I mean, I'll just leave it at that. <clears throat> um, I don't know. She, she pisses me off. I, I'd hit it, but, you know... I figured, I, I don't know, I realized that she's like a, a key component to Superman. Yeah. But outside, never of her about doing some, outside of her doing some reporting, I guess it helps, but yeah. She does nothing for me unless she's getting naked. Yep. So, you know, we had a two and a half hour movie that I felt was, was 45 minutes too long because they added too yep. much shit. So I'll just leave it yep. to that. If I had to give it a machete rating, I'd probably give it three out of four. Yeah, <clears throat> as I told everybody else, it <clears throat> it was good, not great. <laughs> three out of four sounds about right. I'd give it a low three out of four, though. It's pushing that two point five. You know what I mean? It's not a it's not a high three. There's I mean, certain movies I where I feel it's like a high three. Yeah, and like I I don't hate the movie. I enjoyed no, no, it. No. I'm glad I went. I'm glad I went on opening day. I had fun. I enjoyed it. And, I mean, it, it, it's a good movie, and I think everybody should go watch it. I think what's frustrating to me, Vic, is that people, like, I, I okay, I like the people that are like you and me that are somewhere in the middle about it, can be honest about the movie's faults and flaws. But the yeah. people who are out there just, like, Nicholas McGee was pissing me off because he's just being stupid. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, you're going way too far to one side telling me how great it is. Okay, look. It has high points, but don't fucking act like this movie didn't have huge flaws, and don't just say it was the editing. That is fucking a cop out. Yeah, so you can definitely tell the uh, the fanboys from DC or Marvel because every Marvel fanboy I know is just completely shitting on it, and every Dude, DC I fanboy I know tell me how great it is. And like, if, if like you that, had to like label me. Like, Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but if you had to label good? me as one or the other, I know you're not a superhero guy. Which one do you think I am, Marvel or DC? Marvel. Marvel. Yes. I would say if I had to pick, it would definitely be Marvel, even though my favorite superhero is Green Lantern, who is a DC character, okay? Which is yep. kind of like, it goes against what I'm saying here. But I just think Marvel's a better <coughs> comic book company, better movies, better stories, all that shit. But, like, I don't understand why if you criticize something, it's stupid. Okay, look, I can like a Freddy movie and still feel like Jason's my favorite. You know what I mean? I can love yeah, the Freddy yeah. movies without being that way. I love the Leatherface movies. That doesn't mean that I'm going to fucking criticize them just because they're Leatherface. Why is it, and and sometimes it's true that these Marvel fans are crushing it because it's DC, but then other fans, if you say, other times if you say something bad, 
you're automatically just a Marvel fanboy. No, that's not how it is. It's a valid yeah, complaint. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, there's just little shit that, you know what I'm saying, complain about whatever, but some of these motherfuckers are just like, you know, every fucking little move, like, they're, people are bitching about it before it even comes out. Like, yeah. then why did nope. you go see it? Well, I saw you know I, there was one thing in the trailer that pissed me off, and then it pissed me off in the movie, and I told you what it was. So, well, in fact, I'll, I'll just tell you, Doomsday pissed me off really, really yeah. bad, which you don't care. But for me, that I remember that being one of the biggest storylines that I'd ever read, and you're just going to shove it into a Batman versus Superman movie. Fuck you, you know? That pissed me off really yeah. bad. That deserved its own movie or its own fucking trilogy. That's how big it was. See, Eric... I'm going. I'm. I'm trying not to give out too many spoilers, but uh, just bear with. Most me, people folks. have seen it. I would hope. Yeah, I mean, it. You know, it's like the biggest comic book box office ever. So, I'm sure most people have seen it by now. But um, yeah. I like. I think they gave. I felt they gave too much uh, backstory on both Batman and Superman. Like you're trying yeah, to tell well, we already know. two fucking movies, and they. I mean, how many movies do Batman and Superman both have? We've seen yeah. them, so I don't need to know their entire story. And then yeah, you're going to make, and then you're going to make a whole the second movie for them to do their little, you know, get together. No, yep. if you're going to do that, then do two separate movies. It, like, it's just uh, I don't know. I just so feel long. like their planning sucks. That's what really what it boils down to is that their long term plans suck. I mean, you know, yeah. I, I realize what they're trying to do. But there's a better way to go about it. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I, you, I you, think you could even have done a movie before this one to get to this point. Exactly, and like I mean, it should have been two separate movies. But yep. they, I think they're just in such a rush to try to get out a Wonder Woman movie and a Justice League movie that they wanted to throw it all in two and a half hours worth of film when it shouldn't have been. I really feel it's like at the end of the day. Hour 45. This is a big jealousy thing towards Marvel because Marvel kicked their ass all over the place with all the movies oh, all right, they've yeah. done. Now, now uh, I will say this, too. As a Marvel fan, let me just tell everybody this so you don't think I'm just licking their balls, okay? Iron Man 2, okay movie. Iron Man 3, fucking dog shit. Fuck that movie. It sucks. It pisses me off, and I want to go crazy on somebody over that movie. Um the rest of the, the Marvel movies I like, so I don't care what anybody says. I love all the Marvel movies. It, it, when I say Marvel movies, I'm not talking about, like, X-Men, because that's a different studio. Marvel actually has their own studio. I'm sure most people know that. But anyway, that's that. So, all right, we can we can leave the superhero realm. I just wanted to uh, get our thoughts on that, because I, I feel like we've ha- we needed a few days to kind of marinate on that. And I, I feel like... I feel like I've stabilized a little bit because it was going down real fast on me, and then I've thought about it over time. I'm like, I, I can't wait to see it again. Fuck it. So, Do what? Sorry, it's breaking up. I said, um, I feel like I was going down really fast on my opinion of the movie, and now that I've had time to think about it, I'm excited to see it again. Yeah, yeah. Like, I realized that, uh, you know, DC always puts in a bunch of, like, little hidden Easter eggs and shit, so... I want to watch it again just to see what all I missed. I'm going to take my wife to see it probably next Tuesday. So I'll get my parents to watch the baby. So we'll go see that movie. She hasn't seen it yet. So, you know, fuck it. I'll see if uh, there's anything good. I kind of want to see it in uh, 3D this time. Yeah, I forgot they did that. So, you know. I didn't even. 
Yeah, I forgot it is in 3D whenever I went up there. I was like, shit. I don't even think but, about 3D anymore. I mean, because they don't, like, do much 3D shit in these yeah, movies. Like, like, there was nothing that I really saw in the movie that would have been, like, total 3D awesome. I think it yeah. was more of, like, a, a visual thing. Like, you have, mm. you know, it just makes the movie look like a 4K good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really what it was with this. Wasn't, All right. wasn't like an in 3D. So, Vic, now that we've got you on the line, do you have a live announcement for us as to what we're going to be talking about April 11th? I really don't. Um, I'll look this week, so I... You know, you know, I'll yeah, yeah. just come this week, though. All right, cool. That way I can just have a show for us. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, well, I'm good, with, any, I'm, I'm good with something we haven't seen yet, as long as it's on Netflix. Or something that's, you know, obviously that we've seen a million times. So whatever you want. Yeah, it'll be on Netflix or YouTube. Sounds good to me. Um, I don't have a whole lot else tonight. I don't. I haven't been watching a lot other than the NCAA tournament, uh, which to me, uh, now it seems like it's probably going to be North Carolina, but I wouldn't be surprised if Oklahoma wins it, Vic. Yeah, man. <clears throat> but Buddy, Buddy Hill, Hill is, he is like... They they said that he's the best shooter to make the Final Four in, like, 30 years or some shit. Or like Dude was fucking dominant. They couldn't do anything against him. Oregon just, it, they had no answers. Yeah, isn't he averaging, like, 35 points a game in the tournament or something crazy? Yeah, and he put up 37 uh, against the one seed. Yeah, like, dude is fucking legit. I've, I've seen people comparing him to uh, uh, Steph Curry, and I think that might be a little premature, but... Well, just, college... Dude, I mean, yeah. dude, isn't it from everywhere, though? He's, you know what I'm saying? He just sort of came out of nowhere, too. Yeah, I mean, he had a good year, but, I mean, to do this, he, awesome. He did. Like, not the, my first real exposure to him was this year against Kansas. And that, like, when they went to three overtimes or whatever. That they should have won. Yeah, like, after that game, he just clicked, and he's been on a rampage ever since. But So, uh, who's yeah, going to win? Say, Oh. Uh, I got Oklahoma. I got Oklahoma. Not that I picked them. I mean, now that I now that we have the matchup, I'll go with Oklahoma. I'll go with North Carolina, and I still got North Carolina to win out of that matchup, just because North Carolina's got more. Yeah, I mean, I mean, North Carolina's just so good, man. Dude, but once they get up on somebody, they fucking hold them down. I will not be surprised if Syracuse beats North Carolina because yeah, I don't see I, it happening. Yeah, but I didn't see Syracuse beating Virginia. And yeah, I, Virginia, like, they don't have we, that, we both, that experience, you know. We we both they picked uh, Syracuse to lose to Dayton. Yes, we did. Uh, and let me just say though, <laughs> yeah, Virginia's coach, Virginia's coach didn't make any fucking adjustments in that game. I think Roy Williams yeah. was more prepared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, he wasn't. Uh, Tony Bennett wasn't expecting. Uh, Jim Beheim to get out of the zone because, you know, he's been coaching for 40 years and never left the zone. <laughs> exactly. I, I don't know. So why I would think it'll be a fun weekend. I think it'll be a fun weekend, and I'm just glad we're going to get an ACC team in the final. Yes, yes. I mean, ACC is fucking dominant, and it's been fucking awesome. But the, it, I don't know if just you're not, but uh, what? I was going to say, that just tells you what happens when you play in a real conference st- instead of a mid-major like the SEC. Yeah, 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 what a shitty conference. Uh, but Syracuse actually got uh, their men's and women's teams in the Final Four. Yes, 
Yes, they did. You don't see that very often. Like, uh, UConn is pretty much the ones that do it, and that's it. And, by the way, your status status, – yeah, we did. Your status was legit, by the way. Uh, Which one? UConn's women are unfair. It makes it pointless to even watch women's basketball. Yeah, like, I've I've watched UConn's women because it's fun. But, like – I remember when uh, Louisville used to have to play them twice a year, and I'd watch it. But they—I'm pretty sure they beat us by like an average of thirty points. Yep, even and we, we were good. good. <laughs> yeah, Ankle you know what I'm saying? Fucking Shoney Shimmel, like we were good, and they it's beat nice. us by an average of thirty points. Let me just say, I love UConn and I love Gino Oriema, so I love seeing them do well. But fuck, man, it makes women's basketball less interesting. But you know, what it does. Doing? It's already not interesting anyway, even though yeah, I still watch exactly. it because I like sports. But, yeah, yep. I mean, you know, they've won three titles in a row. They're going for four titles in a row. And, like, they they haven't lost a game since, like, 2013 or something. All right, so when we go on the air, when we go on the air next Monday, we're going to be talking about North Carolina beating Oklahoma. That's what we're going to be talking about during the show. Let's see. <coughs> oh, yeah, I guess we will be on up. <laughs> That's my prediction. Well, it'll be a short show. We won't. Yeah, I mean, because we're talking about preservation. It's not going to be the oh, last yeah. two hours. So, yeah. dude, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, fucking Villanova beat Oklahoma because it's going to be a weird. Game, dude. Jay Wright, yeah. coach Bill Self, dude. He did, yeah. So, so you know, second oh, appearance man. in the Final Four for uh, Jay Wright. We'll see if he can cash in this time. I hope he does. I'd be fine with that. I don't. I mean, I want an ACC team to win, but I mean, Villanova's just as good. Yeah, I mean, you know, we were uh, conference mates with them for a while, so. Yeah, I like Villanova. You know, I, I don't have any problems with them, so I'm cool yeah, with that. I like. I, I don't know what it is. Like I don't like Oklahoma, and for some reason, I just don't want them to win it. I don't have any problem with Buddy, Buddy Heald, but I mean, I just don't really like Oklahoma. I like Lon Kruger, too, but I just don't like Oklahoma. I don't know. Probably because of football. Yeah, because, because fuck the Big 12. Yeah, that's what it that's, is. Yeah, because it's an overrated bullshit conference where they probably have Kansas win 12 years straight and then try to tell me it's a great conference. No, that's not how it works. Oh, yeah, that's the SEC well, Junior. Pretty much. I mean, they're, they're a little bit better, but I mean, yeah, oh, yeah. Kansas... Kansas runs runs it like UK runs the SEC, but Kansas yep. always choked in the tournament. Exactly. All <clears> right. <throat> well, I've run out of words for this show. Uh, I don't have a whole lot that's grinding my gears because I'm too drunk to care. So if you're <laughs> good to go, I, I'm good to go. You can follow us at Trav and Vic Horror on Twitter. Uh, Periscope, same thing. Uh, Travis and Vic's Drunken Horror Adventures on Facebook. Uh, uh, Instagram at Travis and Vic Horror. Um, we'll use it one of these days. TravinVicHorror.wordpress.com, if I haven't said it. At PhenomenalTLD, at Vic Von Eric. You got anything else for us, fella? I think I'm good, man. I'm going to check into my hotel and hopefully get oh, to yeah, the hotel. Oh, yeah, you're in Carmel. I forgot about that. Yeah. My bad for yeah, harassing you. I forgot you were out of town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm up in Indianapolis, so that's why I, my shit was fucked. All right, so I'm going to read this to you real quick. Get out. This is what I'm going to go do, okay? Uh, I got a text, all right? This is a text I received, and you can just uh, do with it what you will. I want you to marinate my breast with your homemade Alfredo sauce. 
What the fuck? <laughs> my and then my wife sent me the the uh, other picture. It says text your significant other and say that, and then screenshot and post the response. Oh wow! You know what I did? I I sent a picture of myself, and it says you want it. <laughs> That's that was awesome. my response. That's how I responded. That is awesome. Yes, sir. All right, buddy. So we'll talk next Monday. I'm sure we'll talk before then, but on this show, we'll talk next Monday. And everybody else, have a good fucking night, and I'm going to go pass out. Later on, y'all. All right, brother. Y'all have a good one. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.